Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome back, Murder Chronicles Nation. First of all, let me apologize for the uh, late publication of this episode. I had an emergency trip to the heartland. That's New Jersey for the uninitiated. Um, and uh, I didn't get back until late last night. So I apologize. I know you've missed us. And here we are. Carolyn, how are you? I'm doing well. It sounds like I was eavesdropping on your conversation. And uh, it sounds like your mentor passed away and you dropped everything to fly and pay your respects. That's awesome. That's what happened. It's. Uh, You know, we're Gen X, right? So when we hit high school, um, there were a large, there was a large population of, uh, of students that were looking for their dead poet society teacher, right? So we, (laughs) which was not fair to the teachers uh, that that we were looking for that type of inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and if you were lucky, uh, you had a teacher that stepped up and I, and I did, and this, this guy was, this guy was great and he was inspirational and he was not not in the in the poetic way that Robin Williams' character was in the movie, but in, in a very profound way nonetheless. Um, because he was the first teacher that treated us like grown-ups, that treated us like an adult, that didn't talk down to us, that you know, he would swear, he would laugh, he would tell jokes, he would admit when he didn't know something, he would, you know, he would he was available in his vulnerabilities and in passing on wisdom and mistakes that he had made and uh and it was it was it was a, a, like an awakening for a lot of his students they're like oh this is kind of how it's this is how adults are right this yeah. is how uh, someone who doesn't give a shit about flexing authority over you and wants to make you better and wants to educate you and wants to inspire you and um and when i turned 18 uh he threw a party in class for my 18th birthday. Okay, I went, wow, that's fucking really, really nice. Okay. And he takes me aside afterwards and he says, all right, listen, dipshit. This is actually a party to celebrate your juvenile record being sealed. Okay. You live in a country, <laughs> you live in a country that gives assholes like you a second chance. Okay. Your record is wiped clean. Stop fucking up. All the cops in North Jersey are just waiting for you to turn 18 and to step out of line. So you got to get the fuck out of here. And that's why I moved to Los Angeles. He was right. I love that. And here's, it's so real. He was speaking to you in language that you could relate to. Because if he talked with you like, Brandon, I'm really concerned. (laughs) No. (laughs) That wouldn't have worked. No. He's a bottom line, bottom line kind of guy. Um, so it was, uh, you know, and that was just, I mean, one of, you know, a thousand things that were inspirational and that were, or that were funny or that were jokes or, or irascible kind of wit that he had that he could, you know, he, he could 
wield it as a weapon or as a salve, you know, his, his irascible personality, you know, he can make you feel better or, or really humble you in a way that you didn't wind up hating him. You're like, oh, he was right. I was being a dick there. Or yeah, I am obsessing over this girl in an irrational kind of way or grades. Yes, they are. Yes. Grades are important regardless of what you think. It doesn't matter what's on your record, but you know, your ability to learn and retain and to understand that you're going to have to do shit in life that you think is pointless, but you need to do it anyway, you know, and just put your head down and put the work in and go for it, you know? So like all of that great stuff. And, and so many former students showed up um, and his daughter, who's my age, uh, in her eulogy, she just read uh, posts from Facebook that students who couldn't who couldn't be there who chimed in, you know, sharing their their thoughts and their feelings about about his passing. So yeah, it was. I'm really glad that I went. It was uh, it uh, you know it it it, it hit hard, you know, because I haven't seen him in a long long time. Um, but uh, yeah, but I'm glad I went, and it, and it you know. Like they should. It became a celebration and it became, you know, a really joyous, laughing kind of event through our tears. And what's that? What's that phrase? I think it's an Italian phrase. Uh, uh, May there come a day where their memory brings a smile to your face before a tear to your eye. There never won't won't be a tear to your eye, but hopefully one day a smile will come first. You know, that kind of thing. So... I think that I I think that's the tragedy. One of the many tragedies of being human is that when you are an amazing person like this guy was, and teachers are so critical, like mentors in general yeah. for people and just people, right? And then you don't get to hear. I mean, I wish he could have heard all the people that he influenced, because you know, I mean, let's face it, being a teacher isn't easy. You know, it's really yeah. really tough. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like yeah. he really, you know, at least his family is getting to hear that and getting to see what an amazing person he was. Yeah, and I think he knew. He knew. I think he must have known because no one really, there weren't a lot of teachers that anybody in my high school gave a shit about, right? But, you know, there were, you know, there were like not lines out his door, but there were always, he was never alone in his room. You always made time. Students who needed to talk to me about something or needed some advice or needed this or that. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a passing. I mean, I not not to go on and on about it, but yeah. just I remember I saw a teacher of mine not too long ago, or well, it actually was quite a while ago, and I was in there with my kids when they were littler, so it was quite a while ago. But I'm still remembering it. And the first thing he looks at me and he's like, "Danza," because that's <laughs> my that's my maiden name is you know I was Carolyn Danza, and um, and it was like no time had passed and he yeah. was remembering like all the little antics that me and my, he was my sixth grade teacher. And it was like bittersweet because, you yeah. know, he was old. And anyway, I saw yeah. him as like, he was the good looking teacher that everybody wanted to be around and hang right. around. He was funny. And so anyway, I'm sorry that you had this loss, but it sounds like it came full circle. Yeah, it did. And it was, t- you know, it was time and, and, you know, he, cancer bullshit you know and you know he smoked a long time you know so it's just what it's what's gonna fucking happen right you know take care of your body right? i can totally picture this guy being your mentor right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah 
Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, um, so obsessed. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself, and I'll tell you why. I'm really, really fucking proud of myself. Did you ever see uh, the Hateful Eight, the Tarantino movie Hateful Eight? I think I saw bits of it. The whole big question in the it's second It's like in the act. cabin, right? Yeah, exactly. The whole big question in the second act is who poisoned the coffee that killed Kurt Russell, okay? Right? <laughs> and, Walt, <laughs> and Walt Goggins Walt Goggins plays this irascible kind of racist Southern kind of fuck you kind of guy. Uh, and he, the whole time, he's pointing to one guy. And the guy's going, no, it wasn't fucking me. It wasn't me. And then right near the end, <laughs> it reveals he was right. And he's got the greatest moment. He goes, I fucking knew it. All right. And it was great. It was so redemptive for him. I had a moment like that. I had a moment like that. My first note, and I'm holding up my notes. My first note on this was, wow, tall, sexy, blonde seems really desperate for a hot 18-year-old. That seems weird that she would just latch on to some random dude online. But I didn't know the whole story. And then at the end, I was like, ha, huh, I fucking knew it. Okay, but we'll get to that. <laughs> so hard to keep it together because I was like this. And first of all, let me say, obviously a young man lost his life and we're going to be laughing. And it's like full stop, terrible, terrible, terrible. Yes, But 100% right. I really wanted to keep that momentum going of like, just that reveal at the end of like, yes. oh my gosh. Yes, it was such a great turn. It was such a great turn. You know, Malcolm Gladwell says the difference between an anecdote is a story is a story involves a betrayal of the audience, right? Yeah. And yes. I, there was a big fucking betrayal here. It was oh great. God. It was delicious. Can you but even believe it? I, I, yes, that's the thing. Yes. At the end, I went, oh, fuck. It completely makes sense. These two desperate, right? Like lonely, frumpy, whatever sad, nothing to wake up for, nothing to look forward to, or like, yeah, now I'm hot again. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, how I've missed you. They weren't even talking like 18-year-olds, right? <laughs> okay. And you with your with, with your breathy rendition of Tall Sexy Blonde. <laughs> OMG. No, I'm sorry, but I felt like they were talking like 18-year-olds. Like, no, I- 18-year-olds don't talk like in that poetic kind of, you know, you know what she was talking like? She was talking like it was right out of like Fifty Shades of Grey or like some romance novel that well, she like, undoubtedly like, reads. I mean, just like the when I talk about the OMG, it's like, this is what they're getting all hot and bothered about? OMG. Like, she goes, that's what kids are saying these days. All right, I but mean, let's get to, hold on. But, 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 we'll, we'll get over, we'll get over. Okay. Um, so the reveal right away, so the, the initial conceit of this whole story is, is basically, you know, Fat Tom, all right, wants to be Muscle Tom and get girls. Okay. Because mm-hmm. um, he's going, obviously going through a midlife crisis. You know, that happens a lot. Fears that his, his his best years are behind him and that those years were wasted. Even though he's got a loving family and a job and he's being a provider, that's not enough for some people. Okay, great. I'm not judging the guy. Um, he accidentally wanders into the teen section of Pogo. Bullshit. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be judging the guy. Okay. You don't have to, Bullshit. but I'm ready. Okay. I'm not, no, I'm not judging how, what he felt about his station in life or where he wound up. Okay. Cause I don't know him personally, but mm. the excuses that he kind of made of how he met Jesse are, I, I think are bullshit. So mistakenly went into the teen section and strikes up this conversation with Jesse and they hit it off right away. Again, she seemed desperate. Now we know why, but, and he went a little bit overboard and again, like, like he has to give himself a black belt in karate. Right. 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 But that goes back to my bullshit where I'm like, I think karate lives in me somewhere. Oh my gosh. I forgot. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know, if you were making a fake profile, that would be ladies. No, that'd be number one. I also know karate. (laughs) I've been burned. I've been burned. But listen, I know karate. I can protect you, girl. I know Mm -hmm. karate. All right. Like I would totally include that in a Mm -hmm. fake profile. Right. Um, So I get it, but he went a little overboard there. And then he had these fucking war fantasies, which is real, which is, which is very real. I I've worked with a couple of, um, I I won't get specific, but with a couple of former military guys and, um, and in one, one conversation, we were having a creative conversation. He kind of drifted off for a second. I'm like, yo, you all right? He goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." just, there was a, there was a mass shooting in the state where I live. And, because I got to be honest, man, one of my fantasies is that I'm just going to like pull into Walmart, like during an active shooter scenario and go in there and fucking save the day. Wow. Okay, dude. That's, I guess, you know, and this is a guy who's seen combat and has like done it. I think he just misses killing people, basically. I, I have an experience with that where I went on a ride along and I'm not going to say what it was about, but it was... He's now a civilian, but he was in law enforcement going on a ride along. We'd been together for hours going on this ride along. And then all of a sudden he's reenacting this situation and he like lifts up and I'm seeing that he's got like a gun and he's got rows and rows of ammo like wrapped around his belt. And I'm literally like, and he pulls it out and it's like, he was ready to go down. Like, I, I mean, I can totally see your guy saying that because it's just a mindset that I don't have. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not used, huh? Me either. I don't have a hero complex. I don't. But so I did this other podcast for uh, one of the first shows I did was called Can You Survive This Podcast? Okay. We worked with a Navy SEAL. And one thing that you find, and what we would do on that is we would put non-military people into survival situations and pepper them with questions and see if they would make the right choices and be able to survive the ordeal. Okay. And one of them was always an active shooter. Okay. All right. You're in a mall and bang, 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 bang. You, you, you know, it's gunshots and people start freaking out. What do you do first? There's a concrete like planter over here and there's a table 10 feet away and there's a lunch table five feet away. Like, what do you do? Okay. And so you know you go to the concrete planter, but then you're told why. And then you're explained the difference between cover and concealment, right? Concealment, they can't see you. Cover protects you from bullets. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So those two different things. And invariably, when it was a dude that was in it, when it comes to the point, all right, you've subdued one of the assailants, you have a clear exit this way, or you can pick up his gun and go kill the other people. It's clearly you get away and call the police, but they're like, oh man, are my kids with me? 
like because <laughs> the hero complex stuff. I don't, I don't think in. that's a male thing though. I, I really don't. Because... Well, you think no women are like I'm gonna pick up the gun and go kill the other bad guys. The women are like I get the fuck out of there. We'll be back after a quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, I mean, this actually happened to me recently where I was at my son's, I was, I was uh, volunteering in his class for his third grade class. And all of a sudden it's, they're like, okay, we're going to be doing a test. And it was the freakiest thing this Gen Xer has ever, I mean, it was really weird because it was a test, but they were, were a sheltering in place test. And so they were like, okay, this is really, I mean, they're trying to tell this to a elementary school children. It was so sad. It was so yeah, that's sad. A, that's our fucking reality. Yeah. Right. I know. And then as I was, and then as it was actually happening and we were like, okay, everybody's going to go and they're going to get with their teacher and they're going to, the teacher's going to make sure the door's locked. And I was like, what is happening? And I'm like getting on the floor with all the kids and we're getting underneath the, the, um, a table and the kids are all huddling around. And this sweet little girl was like, you know, getting me over so I could sit next to my son and I was holding my son. I mean, it was just weird. And we had to shelter there for like three minutes. And then I was, and they were telling us what was going to happen. And I was thinking, I wouldn't do this. I would be waiting over by the door behind it, waiting for this person to come in because you know, if he has, anyway, all these thoughts were going to my head about how I was like, not. but if you had a, if you had a clear exit, a safe, clear exit, you grab your kid and you get the fuck out of there. Right. I mean, it really would. I'm just talking about a situation that was that scenario that you're talking about. Yeah. But I'm talking about when I was in when I would want to be a hero. Right. To protect. Kids. I would, yeah, I would think that, that that there's no way that any of us are going to live because he could blast you through the door. Yeah. And, and you might as well you, go out fighting. Right. So I'm just yeah. saying, like, I don't think that it's just men that have the hero yeah. complex. It's just in it depends on what the situation is, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this but I guy, think that what you're tapping into is this mm, weird kind of like macho, macho yeah. stuff. Yeah, beyond the news, like this, this you know, civilian picked up a AK or an AR-15 and killed the rest of the bad guys. Yeah, that would be yeah. fucking great. It's ridiculous, but it would be fucking great. Well, so, you wouldn't do that. You'd do your karate moves. Oh, gosh, how fucking awesome would that be? Same story, but he did it without a weapon. <laughs> did it with his hands and his feet yes Yes, brandon morgan incredible karate skills and then i'd be all humble like i I, you know i just talk about the dojo and like my master right (laughs) right right. exactly what i would do i wouldn't clearly i'd share credit this tommy character is like all about taking all the credit and believes that he's this person it's not just a it's become his reality well, I'll tell you when I when when I when it got scary for me, and it did get scary for me. Yes, we're laughing and we're making fun of these people, but to your earlier point, a young man lost his life. Okay, and this is when it was. So it started. I, I wrote this down. It started getting real for Tom. Okay, 
and it reminded me of the Hannibal Lecter novels. Okay, because in all of those Hannibal Lecter novels, the bad guy that wasn't Hannibal, okay, was talking about transformation, like Buffalo Bill was becoming a woman and you know using the skins, right? And in Red Dragon, Ray finds his character was transforming into something that he wished that he could be, okay? And that is a criminal fucking psychosis, okay, that leads people to become fucking serial killers and leads people to, to, to do this kind of shit. So uh, he was going from a frumpy, unhappy, impotent man, okay, and wanted to transform into this virile fucking Marine sniper with sweaty muscles saving the day. You know, like I'm surprised he didn't mention the fucking damsel tied up on the railroad tracks, right? That he was going to go out and fucking save with one hand while, you know, with a fucking bullwhip and a guy with a twisty mustache was the bad guy, right? His fantasy was getting so real. And you said two words, you said a fractured reality, which is exactly fucking what he was living in. So we can make fun of it, but that I think, is exactly what led to him fucking pulling the trigger. He became Tommy. The I transformation happened. Too. And it, yeah. that's the thing about human behavior that is always fascinating to me is that how, I mean, obviously this guy, I don't know what his mental health state was throughout the decades, but like that this can actually happen when you build something up and build something up and build right. something up. And then it's like, it becomes real. And the mind has the power to do that, you know? Yeah. So I mean, now, here's when things got a little confusing for me and what threw me off the scent, okay? Was when, <laughs> was when Jesse actually started acting like an 18 year old for a minute, mm -hmm. where she searched out one of his friends to flirt with. Because mm -hmm. that's 100% high school girl bullshit, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you, you you broke my heart, you hurt my feelings. I'm gonna go and flirt with one of your friends and make you jealous. Like that is that is by the book mm -hmm. high school girl. Okay. So I went, oh wow, this is this is weird. Okay. That's the kind of desperation that you want to see that you that that would make sense. Okay. Yeah. The need for validation, the need for all that. Okay. Um so she goes and she goes trolling through Tommy's like work friends. And yeah. finds Brian, an actual 22-year-old, an actual, beefcake. an actual peer, excuse me? Beefcake, 15, 17. An actual, actual fucking beefcake, real dude, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and she tells him about Tom, right? I mean, like, right. she's actively playing, not even trying to hide it. Right. Playing one against the other. And now if you really get deep and get meta in it, all right. That actually is like a thirsty, lonely housewife who needs attention from somebody. She can't let this go. And if she's losing Tommy, then it's going to be Beefcake Brian. And she'll put on the same facade and the same. And you know what's really disgusting about it is that she's using pictures of her own daughter. like her actual Well, daughter. and here, here's the thing. She's doing exactly what he's doing, but in a totally different way. She's, it becomes about this jealousy that is the fuel for her. Like you can see her seeing herself with the, her hair blowing in the wind, the 18 year old bombshell, which, okay, forget it. It's my daughter. I can still have this, this vision. It was me once. It, it used to be me. 
I could be on the cover of a romance novel with beefcake with my hair flowing in the wind and his rippling muscles saving right. me. It really wasn't about these other people. It was about, it's like VRU. It's yeah. like, it's totally the the fantasy in the mind. And and like, you know, they were just consumed by it. Gosh, and it's so powerful. And and that's why that's these, like these, yes. these, these, these AI tech people think that, Oh my that's, God. That that's where we're headed. That that's that, where we're headed. That, that scares a, me to the core. Not if I know karate in my VR. Are you kidding? If I could go kick oh ass. God. You're already like gone. You're, we're <laughs> never going to see you again in your realm of karate with Chuck Norris. And you've got hairy chest. And like, right? <laughs> and I could do like front kicks to the fucking jaw. Right? <laughs> And I could block every block every punch. Like going and having an intervention with you, and it's like recorded, right? I'm like, I'm in the dojo. You cannot interrupt me in the dojo. Oh my gosh, that is truly frightening. That is truly frightening. But if it's real, if it gets the like, if 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 in my brain it's the reality, and I'm and I'm, oh my gosh. And that's what they were getting. That's what, that's they, were getting. what they were getting. It was real when they would have those. You said it thousands of messages, thousands of messages. That's them mm -hmm. living in that fucking reality. And the funniest, I'm not, okay, again, not funny, a young man doll. Mm -hmm. But the funniest fucking thing to me is thinking about Frumpy Tom and Jesse's mom thinking that they're each talking to 18-year-olds for hours and hours and hours at a time. Tom ensconced in his basement with his precious, right? Like you said, on the computer, right? And his other mom, you know, with folding laundry, <laughs> watching Jeopardy, but, you know, but like uh, but texting back and forth, having this torrid virtual love affair. And both of them... We're catfishing each other. When that, when you dropped that, that it was Jesse's mom, it was like, because I flew all day yesterday. My fucking flight was delayed. I was so tired, but I'm sitting there. I'm sitting alone in the quiet of my house. I went, I fucking knew it. <laughs> you know what's crazy too, is that we had um, a friend and she worked for a, um, <clears throat> basically like they do studies on, people who want to do drugs and, and how to get it's like psychological drugs. And they found that like a drug is considered successful in these trials. If they're 50% as effective as placebo. Oh, wow. And like, huh. so that people that placebo is so powerful that even people, they think they're getting it and they're not getting it, but their brain believes that they're getting it and they have benefits it's just crazy how the how powerful the mind there was this, is. Remember the show MASH? Yeah. Okay, that was on in my house a lot. Hot lips, hot lips, hula hot lips, hula hand. So that was on in my house a lot. And I remember this because it really affected me because I didn't think it was true. But to your point, it was um, there was a, a, a shortage in the MASH unit of a, of a painkiller, right? So everyone in post-op was like suffering and in a lot of pain. And one of the doctors, probably Hawkeye, because he got all the cool storylines, they just had like uh, sugar pills, they had placebos, right? And they said, because there's this new research coming out that the mind is blown, whatever. And so they went to each guy and they're like, all right, listen, 
this is super powerful. I can only give you like half of one of these. The guy's like, no, man, I'm in a lot of pain. You got to give me the whole one. He goes, I can't give you the whole one. I remember this episode. Yeah. I can't give you the whole one. I'll give you half. Yeah. And then we'll see how it feels. And within Mm -hmm. like a half hour, everybody in the post-op ward was sleeping quietly and out of pain. You know, I doubt it's that TV land kind of effective, but but placebo is is but is if powerful. people believe it, it if you is believe it, and the way that he sold it is like it's too powerful to give you a whole one. Yep, exactly. You know, and it's listen, all about and, the presentation. And to keep the pop the pop culture TV train rolling, you know, one of the greatest quotes from '90s TV is George Costanza: "It's not a lie if you believe it." <laughs> exactly. Right. And we both believed. They both. It. And and she had the. It's the transformation. Yes. You know, the transformation. And that's, and I say that in a really scary, scary Hannibal lecter kind of way, because, because, yeah. because look what happened. Tom became Tommy, who took a gun and shot her and shot his romantic rival and killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the, that's the really, can you hear that happening? Do you hear the gardeners? You do? Oh, yeah. Right. I thought it was right. an airplane, but yeah. No, all right. So, they're just at the front door, but we don't have like <clears throat> 30 seconds. All right, come on. I can't hear him anymore. Really? Yeah. Okay. So he kills his romantic rival. He lies in wait, shoots him three times through the glass, and and for what? To maintain a fake relationship. Well, he still doesn't know that it's fake. But he knows that he's fake. He knows that he's fake. Right. He believes that Jesse loves him for who he is. That was the ultimate high for him. Like, I still want to be with you, sniper, Marine sniper. Even so, though you're even though you're the age that you are, which should have been a huge clue. Huge to clue. You. Huge clue. But but here's the other thing that should have been a huge clue also is that it kept up even after Tom's wife fucking pulled his covers. Here's a picture of my family, dipshit. Here's Tommy. He's actually 46 and he's got a bald patch and a, and a belly and he's got two teenage daughters who are closer in age to you than they are to me. Blah, 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 all that. Mm-hmm. Should have figured it out then. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. But no, no, and and kudos to that wife for like I'm not taking I'm not here for one bit of your bullshit. I love that part. <laughs> Me too, man. I love that, that was part, great. and I loved how she sent a, a letter, and she didn't even try to reconcile. No, she was like, uh, see you later. Right, and doesn't even blame her. Oh my not, gosh! Because yeah. if the reality was it's an 18 year old girl, it's not her fault, right? She's tricked, and she was saying. Yeah. She was being very motherly. You need to be careful who you believe online, right? Yeah. Which is something that twenty, almost twenty years later, I'm teaching my kids now because they make stupid fucking decisions online. Well, you know? and to your point about how earlier in the show when you were saying like he had a good life, you know, he had two teen daughters and he had a wife. I yeah. mean, his, his based on the, I don't know what the ins and outs of their relationship was, but it seems like she was a really good person that she took the extra time to write a freaking letter and say, yeah. you know, hey. You know, yeah, she there, there could have been a bit of woman scorned, you know, inspiration behind that letter and not all I'm being a good person. But either way, she took the time to do it, you know, 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's just a matter of perception. You know, he, he hated his life. Other other people, you know, would give their fucking arm, arm and a leg to have a life like that. You know, to have a, a, a stable, you know, relationship, to have two healthy kids, to have a job, we could put food on the table. I mean, for some people, that's, there have been times in my life where that was the top of the mountain, you know? Like, okay, I'm doing this, and that's an honorable thing, you know? And here's the thing, too. Instead of taking a look at his life, taking stock, going and working out and achieving that body that he so desperately wanted, being a hero in the community in different ways, connecting- Learning karate. <laughs> learning karate, actually getting a black belt. He chose to go squirrel away online and like get involved in this sordid relationship. Yeah, he took the easy path. For sure. Took the easy path and got completely just enveloped in the fantasy world. And that became his reality. And that's what he wanted to be his reality more than the actual real world, you know. And uh and that's always a fucking recipe for disaster. And like we said, a young man lost his life. So uh where is Tom now? I think he's gonna be getting out of prison here pretty soon. Um he's yeah. in prison but he got sentenced to 20 years and that 20 years is coming up. And I don't know if he gets anything off with good behavior or anything like that, but. Wow. And, uh, and, and uh, tall, sexy blonde. She basically um, last I had heard from just the tiny bit of research that I did, which wasn't much. Um, she lives with her parents and uh you know just the brian's parents she was listed on their they did have a lawsuit against the corporation where they worked because of the lighting not the security not being good and stuff like right, that right, right, right. and she was initially and then also included uh tom montgomery because they didn't want him to go and make a bunch of money writing books and things like that and then they also had the the um, mother listed too, but then they dropped her because they were like, you know what? And he literally said, she's a piece of dirt. That's what wow. the dad. Did. And wow. she doesn't, you know, hasn't, it sounds like been accountable for, for what she did, what the part that she played. Cause she played a huge part. Absolutely. She played a huge, she didn't pull the trigger, but you could say she fucking loaded the gun. Right. I mean, there's, Legally, there was nothing that they could have done, but um, right. from the standpoint of being a woman in her mid-40s or close to 50, been around the block, she should have known what she was doing in terms of stirring the pot. And when he started yep. talking about, you know, violence and all that Workplace kind of Workplace shootings and all that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah she, I mean, it's like, what, what did she think was going to happen? See, but girls, man. Oh, Oh, no, L listen, listen, I knew girls in high school that dated, not to, listen, it's cliche that girls like the bad boys and girls like troublemakers because they're exciting. But then there's a, a type of girl that dated like fucking criminals, people who were like getting in fights every day, you know, and getting kicked out of school and getting arrested and like violence and all that. And because, and because that did it for them. You know, well, it's the bad boy. It's the bad boy. Yeah, it's but more than that, about... like, especially like, oh, yeah, she, he beat the shit out of that guy because he looked at me like that. Like I heard, you know, like and and that 
so if she's really playing this persona, the more demonstrative this guy's, you know, uh, feelings and and jealousies were, the more exciting it would get for her. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so, that was her. That was her fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. And she was so hooked into the mainlining of the fantasy that she didn't care about what could possibly happen. She right. was like, "Yeah, so I can't." There's got to be a negligence thing, or, or uh, I don't know. Well, either, either, look, either way, the fact that he's only doing twenty years, I don't like. The fact that nothing really happened to the other one, I don't really like. I couldn't believe that they couldn't get her on something related to these photos that she was taking of, of her course, daughter. Of course. I mean, or, that, um, that, nailing underpants. I mean, come on, that's, gosh, it's crazy. All right, well, listen, I got to run. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, I fucking loved this episode. It was, it was, uh, it was filled with a lot of twists and turns and a lot of, I don't believe it's and a lot of holy shits and, uh, and so, uh, great, great job. Uh, well told, as as as, as usual. Um, Thank you. And uh, I look forward to next week. So, uh, Murder Chronicles Nation, we hope, very much hope, that you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Uh, if you did, please, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and a comment. It helps us out more than you know. And uh, please, again, consider uh, patronizing the great companies that support our show. Um, Carolyn, great work, great work this week. Anything you'd like to add? Thank you. Uh, just the same old, same old. If you have, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, rate, review our podcast. That really helps. And thank you so much for listening and, um, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Catch up with us next week, nation. Talk to you soon. Stay safe. The Murder Chronicles is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself, music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.